named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Third time lucky. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Wall and I'm joined as ever by Sam Hunter. See, that was easy. I don't know why it took me three times this time. How are you, my friend? <laughs> uh, I thought we could have run with one of the other twos uh, <laughs> just to show people how real you and I are, right? And we haven't let the 144th episode of the World Class Agency Podcast go to our head. We're not sitting in our ivory towers. Despite, you know, sponsorship offers coming at us every week, we say no, we are men of the people. Uh, I'm really good, man. Yeah, really good. How are you? Yes, I am really good. And I am also really interested to hear more about Wayne. Was it, he was the name Wayne. Of- yeah, I've met Wayne real- twice since oh, the last wow. time we spoke. Yeah, so Did you tell him he's famous Wayne. in the UK? Uh, no, I haven't yet. Um, he does use the word mate a lot, but I think that's just Australians. And I think I've sort of lost a bit of my Aussie card over the last seven years. Um, yeah, bring it back. But, the listeners would love yeah. to hear it. Yeah. So uh, Wayne was good. Um, and Wayne, Wayne's whole team, he's got a couple of girls that are working with him as well who are um, polite. They say they're going to do something and they do it. They answer their questions. Uh, there wasn't a lot of pressure there, which was interesting because I think if we had been a bit pressured, we might have made an offer. Um, but uh, yeah, so I met Wayne on a Wednesday, showed him through. I was like, well, this is interesting. Uh, it's a bit of a shithole, but it could be something really quite cool if we got a bit creative with it over time. Yeah. Suits our needs now, and we could just leave it as is for the future if we had to as well. Um, so, yeah, did that on Wednesday. Took Lissy back there on Saturday. Um, interestingly, we went to like four or five different open homes around that area just to get a feel for it because we didn't really know it all that much. Um, he was the only agent that asked her her name and remembered her name and said goodbye to us both. Everyone else just talked to me. Really? Um, It was really weird. So I tested it and I was like, let's see what this is like. And it was a lady agent at this house and she'd called, I drove past her signer on the Wednesday after meeting Wayne. I was like, just seen this house. What is it? She was pretty good on the phone. I got there. Lissy walks in. She says, good morning. How are you going? Goes like this. Then immediately looks at me and goes, welcome. Can I get your details? Which I felt, thought was a bit strange anyway i'm so judgy i feel really bad about being so judgy right but um i don't know like we we do this we've been talking about this every week for two and a half years now about what it takes to make people feel really comfortable and confident and we talk a lot uh, in today's episode about being that trusted advisor and not selling and giving loads of advice and um it's not an easy thing to do even though it sounds really simple and really natural so yeah, it was, it was a pretty strange experience. And actually, funny thing happened. So it's Tuesday evening, 5.45 p.m. here, 8.45 a.m. there as we're recording this. Every single property we went to, other than Wayne, uh, said via text message, not phone call, on Saturday afternoon. Wayne called Sunday, by the way, which is interesting. Um, so they all text saying, we've got loads of interest. If you're interested, please call us back as we'll be presenting offers today. Every single one of them is not sold. So I feel like it was just a sort of standard text that went out. And then when Wayne called, he's like, 
do you want to offer on it? And I was like, I think I do, but actually I've just seen this random house on the complete other side of the town that is, is literally the coolest house I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and apparently oh, it's going to auction on the weekend. Apparently it's in our budget, which I'm surprised about. And I think that's probably bullshit as well, but we're going to go on, see what happens. So, yeah. um, yeah, I said to him and I told him that and he was like, thanks for being honest. I was like, dude, what else am I going to do? Right. Like if, if I don't buy it and I want to make an offer here, I want you to know that my offer is my offer and there's no bullshit there. So yeah. Um, I, I think a pretty expected experience again, um, which is really not um, like, it, it is what it is at the end of the day. Um, and it's not that I don't believe it is difficult if you make the choice to stand out. Um, you've just got to do what feels really boring. If you want to make loads of money, the stuff that's important to you is going to feel like it's not making you money. Mm. Does that make sense to everybody listening? You know, um, it's not about fancy cars. It's not about like a beautiful brand. That stuff can come later. You know, it is about doing all the little things really well and putting yourself in the position of the person you're speaking to. We do this every day, right? When we, before we hit record, despite what comes out of our mouth, sometimes we have a conversation with ourselves and with every single person listening to this show. If we're going to go for 40 minutes, then you and I have to deliver a piece of value when we're talking mm -hmm. that someone yeah. can do today. And we say to every single one of our guests, you've got 20 minutes to make sure that something comes out of your mouth that everybody listening can do today. And it's not going to cost them any money. And I reckon nine shows out of 10, we nail those, right? And I think that that can be applied to anything. If you go into something with intention, whether that be a prospecting phone call, a advice meeting follow-up, viewing feedback follow-up, or a meeting with, the, with either the team or you know anybody, any stakeholder in the business, whether that's a potential client or anything, you just take, it only has to take 10 seconds, right? What do I want to get out of this meeting? What do I want to get out of this phone call? And you then you know, you're more, you've got more intention about the phone call. You're going to, you're much more likely to get the result that you want if you know the result that you want. It's like setting goals in, in life. I just want to come back to that experience. And I think it's really interesting that you're experiencing Australian real estate, that we put on a massive pedestal in this, this country. And actually, we're basically debunking some of these myths. There'll be people that listen to this show, like Tom McGee, will find this hilarious, that actually... Australian real estate is not that different. And I think the fact the fact that you've got a text message rather than a phone call to encourage an offer, automated process. I love automation, don't get me wrong, but that is not something we should automate. That is a something that the agent has fallen into. What's more important than a phone call to try and encourage an offer when there's been an auction or... or let, me, let, me, let me read this to you, right? So this is for a... Um... A three-bedroom, one-bathroom, unrenovated, what we call post-war house. So it was built in the 50s for returning war veterans to put yeah. them up, right? And it's what is affordable to buy. They're on nice blocks of land. They either get knocked over or they get renovated, right? Yeah. Good afternoon, Sam. Thank you so much for attending our inspection on the weekend. No address, right? Weird. We've received some interest over the weekend. This is Saturday afternoon at 2.26 p.m. So this is a generic text, right, that just is punched out via their CRM or whatever. We've received some interest over the weekend for this stunning home. It's like a fibro shack. Uh, the owners are considering offers prior to auction. If you would like to make an offer or a further interest, please let me know as soon as possible. Furthermore, if you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact me. I am available seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Look forward to hearing back from you soon. Warm regards, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and have you had a follow-up phone call? No, 2.26 p.m., 
Saturday afternoon, yet. Right. Next one. You know, hi Sam. Our records show that you inquired or inspected the property at address. If you have any further interest in the property, and if you have not already done so, please submit your expression of interest at your earliest convenience so it can be presented to the sellers on your behalf, along with the others we have received. I will then keep you posted once I receive the seller's instructions. Should you have any oh inquiries about the current market show. or would like a valuation on your own property or any other property you may be interested in, please don't hesitate to contact me directly on mobile number. Please don't hesitate to contact me directly if I can assist you with any of your property needs now in the future. Oh, like, God's show. Wow, how personal is that? Yeah, and like we've had we had some phone calls back on Monday from some people that we saw. Um, there was a property we saw uh, two weeks ago that went to auction on Monday night. They called us twice on Monday to see if we we're going to go to the auction, which I think is really good for the sellers. So there's good mm. stuff out there, right? It did yeah. sell um, a fuckload of money. Um, I'm glad we didn't someone to buy that one because couldn't afford it. Um, <laughs> and then we got a text message an hour after it sold to say, this is how many registered bidders we had. This was where the bidding started. This is what it sold for. So that's really good. So it's not, yeah, it's good, not yeah. all agents, right? But, um, you know, again, it's what we talk about here. Like, how do you stand out? It's really simple to stand out. Put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're speaking to, whether they're buyer, whether they're seller, whether they're landlord, whether they're a tenant, and make it about them. You know? And and you know, you said that Wayne and his team, the girls, did what they say that they did did what they say they'd do. And that's the standout point that we're we're picking. I still believe, you know, real estate is moving in the right direction, but the bar is still pretty low. Just before we move on, um, just want to know. Uh, all those inquiries that you sent, did you get a influx of messages or calls the day after we recorded last week, last Wednesday, maybe? No. So got a, got a couple of phone calls back. So of those 24, I haven't actually tallied how many there were, but it's certainly not even half. Um, so the guy, the first text message I rang out was one of those. And he actually showed us through an off-market home on Saturday as well. So he did at least listen to what we wanted. Yeah. Um, just the follow-up was, was pretty poor. And if I was selling a house, I wouldn't use him. Just because of yeah. that, right? I don't want I don't want a text message because you don't get a sense for emotion. You can't it, 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 deliberately pick those words, and those words don't match the home that we saw, right? So to me, that's not genuine. There's a separation of expectation there. It just shows there's a lack of care. You know, is he worth three percent? Because that's what that company charges. I wouldn't pay it. So I think I think text messages are a great form of communication in certain scenarios. I, I wouldn't, I don't think feedback is a text message type. No. So I used to, so every time someone went through an open home mine, I'd have a pre-recorded, do you remember MMSs back in the day? Yeah. I'd have an MMS that said, hi, it's Sam Hunter from Harcourts. Thanks so much for coming through 24 Colwyn Street in Wishart. I'll be calling you this afternoon after 3.30 PM because my open homes are finished at like two o'clock and I'd go like eat McDonald's or something. And so I'll call you after 3.30 this afternoon to ask you for feedback on the property, on the price, and if you have any further interest. If you need to make an offer or have any questions for me beforehand, please feel free to give me a call 0407-699-608. Send. Video message goes out, right? You record that once, and I used to record it before the listing appointment because people would be like, what are you going to do? And I'd be like, well, here's the message I'm going to send to all the buyers after the open home. And they'd be like, fuck, that's cool. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I just recorded it out the front, right? Um, and so that would win business. And it's so much easier to send video messages in 2022 than it was in 2011. Um, so or a voice like note. You do a voice note and then, on WhatsApp. It's so easy. Yeah. yeah. You would get so many text messages being like, don't call me this afternoon. I'm actually going to a wedding. 
So you wouldn't piss people off. But then if you did call people, you've almost earned permission to call them and you've done. And if they are looking to sell and you said, I'll call you after 3.30 p.m. And you call them after 3.30 p.m., you've kept that micro promise. Yep. Yeah. And a bit like Wayne and Rachel, and I can't remember the name of their assistant, unfortunately. Um, but they've kept every micro promise that they've made of like, I'll see you there at 11 a.m. We'll be there at 10.30 on Saturday morning. And they're there on time, right? We'll send you a copy of the building report because we got one done so that the buyers didn't have to worry about it and you could make competitive offers, you know? So those little tiny promises, that's, that's you know, well, that's what world-class state agency looks like to me. Yeah, absolutely. And just a very quick update um, before we dive in and introduce today today's guests on uh, sort of my experience last week. So we've not talked about this off air actually, but I mentioned last week that we had uh, that fairly significant um, advice meeting and they told us that they were we were their preferred agent after they came into the office. So they then rang us on Thursday and said, oh no, they came into the office again actually, came into the office again on Thursday and said, um, will you negotiate on your fee? <laughs> so um, I wasn't in the office at the time and mum was, she said, right, okay. She said, well, we don't normally negotiate on the fees. We'll have a chat about it. Like, no. So we then spoke about it. Um, it's a fairly significant fee for the area and we know that we're the most expensive agent um, and that doesn't bother us, but someone had gone in less than half of what we'd set, what we are. Um, Whoa. Yeah, less than half. And... Um, Anyway, it turns out, so I rang back and said, look, we don't negotiate on our fees. What I'm willing to do is, is put my money where my mouth is and say, if we get you the price that we've said, we want full fee. If we achieve 30 grand or less, we'll drop our fee ever so slightly to 1% including, no, 1% plus fat. So anyway, uh, phone call last night. We've won the instruction. I need to get the paperwork signed up today before we put this podcast on. Because um, so what we were we were a little bit and I'm more set on fees than the mum is. I think it's probably fair to say in that she's like, oh, have we gone too much? It's a lot of money. We used to think around here that people would pay five, maybe six grand to sell the house. We're now charging uh, thirteen, fourteen thousand, um, and it was quite nerve wracking. But they rang us back and said, no, you you're the preferred choice. Um, you are the most expensive, still the most expensive by quite a distance. There's somebody in between. The agent that was half, but they're still about a third cheaper than us. Um, they're 20-30% cheaper than us if we don't hit the hit the performance. But um, yeah, all from you know those levels of customer service and like you said, doing what you say you're gonna do. 100%. So, but what the, the lesson that, that wasn't, I'm not trying to blow smoke up my own arse there, but the lesson from that is you don't always have to negotiate on your feet down to the level that another agent is. And actually, I think performance-based fees are a fantastic way to show that actually I'm confident in what I'm saying and I will negotiate on my feet if I don't hit what I've said I'm going to hit. And I think that's you know something that the agents can take and implement into their business as a bit of a differential because it does, does show confidence. Cool. So um, on that note, pretty long intro accidentally. Sorry, let's dive in and introduce today's guest. Making her debut on the show, today's guest joins us as she completes her seventh year in a state agency. She's done both sales and lettings across corporate and independent life and now runs her own successful business as part of the Keller Williams Group. She's gone from strength to strength throughout her career. And today she's here to tell us how she's done it. Tanya Baker, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank, thanks very much. Happy- oh, sorry. 
Thanks That's for joining okay. us. I'm going to dive straight in with the uh, question, perhaps a bit too eager, clearly. Um, so uh, first question we ask everyone that comes on the show, Tanya, what does world-class estate agency look like to you? Um, world-class estate agency is picking relationships and rapport over, like, so chasing your relationships instead of chasing transactions and money. What does that mean to you? What does chasing a relationship mean to you? It's it's pursuing the the high the, the bigger the bigger picture, I suppose, rather than the fee, rather than the money, rather than the success. I think everything like that comes second when you when you focus on the people that you're working with, what's best for them, and you know, focusing ultimately on their goal and their why and their family and then their reasons for moving. I say this all the time. I don't think that property or even estate agency is not even remotely about sales it's about being an advisor and mm. being that person that supports the family or the per whoever it is you're dealing with at any given time so I think it's really about switching that mindset um from like when I think about it a state agency when you join they said you're you know how how competitive are you how much you want to earn money and that sort of thing and those are the focuses that they make you make you work around mm. when actually that's literally the, the total wrong mindset. It's like a total different shift compared to where you, where you should be, in my view, or where I am. Um, and I think that when you are on that track, you give off a really wrong vibe and you give off that kind of traditional, that bad reputation of an estate agent that just wants to pursue the fee, wants to get the goal done, or wants to get the transaction done, sorry. Whereas when you are focused on the results and you're focused on doing the right thing, and that could even mean someone listing their house and then changing their mind, if that's the right thing for them and that's the right thing for them, then that's their goal and that's what they want to do. Um, but it's shifting from like that mentality of, you know, I want the fee, I want, I want to earn money to actually, well, what can I do to help this person and what can I do to help their friends and family as well? I really like the um, mindset of it not being about sales, but being about advice. Um, and I think that you, you articulated that beautifully. Um, question I've got for you, right, is how do you communicate that to the client? Because it, it, you can say it to us, we understand it. Everyone listening is going to be like, shit, yeah, that is how you do estate agency really well, certainly for people that listen to this show anyway. But if you're sitting opposite somebody at a dining room table and they've got a certain expectation, good or bad, uh, of what an estate agent is going to offer them or what they're going to be like or anything like that. How, how do you communicate that you're, you know, pursuing their goals rather than your own? How do you get that? So I think, yeah, I think that it's, a, it's about how you walk in. So when I, when I, when I first sit down with a client, I never start. And when anyone ever says to me, oh, I want you to come around and see my property. I don't ever say, well, you know, when I used to be employed, I'd say, okay, so what have you got? Okay, you've got four bed, two bathroom. Thank you. Yeah, great. You're on that road. Nice. Schools, that sort of thing. Now it's like, oh, okay, so what makes now the right time for your move and, and what, what makes it, what, 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 why is it you're looking to move? That sort of thing is, it's focusing more on them rather than the property because ultimately the property doesn't really matter. It's about what they want to do. So when I first go in and I ask them questions about their move and their why and their family, okay, so you're moving, where do your kids go to school? Are they go to school around the corner? Okay, so you want to stay local? You'll say, okay, fine. So that's a catchment area that I know. Um, and it, I think that, that they instantly realise that no other estate agent has, has gone in and asked questions like that because they've gone in to win the deal. They've gone in to pitch their business. Mm. I don't go in to pitch, and I, hate, I actually hate the word pitch because I just think it's you're not pitching, you're there, to, you're there to help, you're there to advise, and you might not be right for the client, and that's fine. 
Um, so, and, and I think that, that I articulate that and, and communicate that to the client through questions and, and sort of exploring with them rather than talking at them. So I ask them lots of questions, I take my iPad with me, I make tons of notes, I, t I take, I literally take notes on everything, they're talking to me and I just say to them, just so you know, I'm taking notes, I'm just making, making notes about your requirements and they're like, oh, it's fine. You know, other people don't ask them about those things on the appointment and yeah. then asking things like you know what 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 does a good estate agent look like to you and they often go like they don't know what they, because they they just think oh so and so came out and told me they'll do one percent including vat they've got a branch they've got database like well but, you know we haven't really asked had anyone ask us that mm. and then i say well, i think to me it looks like someone that lives local cares about you and your family someone that you can have trust in so someone that you know acts with trust integrity all that sort of thing and yeah, that's that's kind of how I go about it. I, I suppose I, I I structure my appointments and structure my conversation very differently. Can I can I ask Tanya, um, when did you come to the realization? So you've been doing it seven years. You've you've had independent corporate um, experience. The way that you talked about estate agents, sort of typical estate agents, and then went on and said. I do it you know, very differently. When did you come to realise that actually estate agency wasn't about sales and that being an advisor and building those relationships over transactions was, was more important to you? Was there a light bulb moment or was it kind of a gradual realisation? I think it was a gradual realisation. So when I joined my previous employer, um, which was quite a sort of high-end agency in Blackheath, I, I realised that, I mean, I've always been very much of the mind that I think people deserve the best and if they're trusting you with their largest asset, it's moving's not, it's no small feat, it's a huge deal. Even if you're renting, it's a big deal. So I, I kind of saw it as these people need me. And then when I was employed, I'd go to the property, I'd be there with the photographer, I'd move things around for the photographer, I'd make sure the property was perfect. If, the, if they couldn't be in to allow photography, I'd offer to do that. And I probably shouldn't have been doing that in corporate estate agency, but that's what I did. That was all part and parcel of me thinking this is this is what this is how it should be, and I saw how high volume it was. Even in a high end agency where obviously they pitch themselves as high end, it's still transactional. And I think seeing the people there and how busy they are and how you know just how much trust and faith they put in you made me realize actually this is so much more than just the fee, just the just the deal getting done. And I was going above and beyond when I was there. And I was getting really stressed out about how much how much I was doing because I, I loved doing everything I was doing and I would take on way more than was my way more than what was my responsibility. And my boss's answer to that was, "We'll switch off. Don't do that. That's not your job." And it used to drive me. It used to send me. I think, how can you? Because that, that that there's so much more to it than I'll take the pictures, put the property online, find the tenant, or find the buyer. That's this just, just doesn't work like that. There's everything else in between that they, they miss. And I think that that's what corporate estate agency is miss or high street agency is missing. They give you the tools to go out and do the sales, but they don't give you people skills. They don't give you relationship building skills, which I think is above everything rather than, you know, the, the, like I say, the fee and everything else like that. When you say they give you the tools, what, what, what do you mean by that? Because I'm really interested to know um, so I had a, a brief experience with corporate agency, shall you say it. Um, but actually the first thing that I learned um, in, in my apprenticeship, if you want to call it, where I was a PA for two years was how to talk to people. 
So I, I, I didn't go on any appraisals. I didn't go on evaluations. I just learned how to ask questions over and over and over and over again. And then when I came in, it was like, well, you get all these leads fed to you now. It was, it was simpler. I don't know if it was ever easy. I don't think anything's ever easy, but it was a lot simpler because I just kind of knew how to talk to people. So maybe, maybe that's sort of, sort of wrong question. If, if you were starting your own corporate agency today and you had uh, an intake every month of 50 new agents, what would you teach them on day one? Oh my gosh. Um, I think that I would, I would literally just say you need to focus on building your relationships and build and building rapport. You need, you need to make sure that this client has your full trust and understands that they have your full trust. Like you, that, that they you need to understand how much trust these people are putting in you because when they drop a set of keys to the agency, you think, Oh great. I've got access. Actually, someone's just giving you full access to their home. And that's not just, that's, that's really something that estate agents overlook. I say, like, Oh, you've got a set of keys that's a really big deal that's it's literally someone's doorway to their home um I would I would just literally just work on the fact that they need to go out and they need to basically make one a, a step down from friendships I'd say it's not yeah. quite friendship not about the drinks with them well you might do but realistically these clients you're probably you're building lifetime relationships with them and that's that, that's what the focus is it's not the focus on getting the deal done it's not the focus on getting paid we're we're working on building our rapport with the client having them put trust in like lifetime trust in us and yeah I suppose that's what I would teach them first I, I excuse me I used to say that we become clients best friend for the most stressful 12-16 weeks of the life and I think that's mm. you know really overlooked as you say in um, in the world where we chase transactions more than relationships and um, I want to talk about the self-employed model Tanya it sounds like you've been able to sort of build your business in the way that you want to build it. And there's a number of self-employed agents who listen to this show and probably even more you know, employed agents who might be thinking about going down that route. But can you talk us about how you handle the stress and, uh, no, I can't speak, stress and pressure that comes with running your own business? Oh, gosh. <laughs> My boyfriend would say I don't, and I just do 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, and I have clients say to me, you don't stop. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position, I'm, I haven't got kids. I've got, literally, it's just my boyfriend's self-employed, so we, we both have focuses on our business. And that that's why it's, I think I've been able to throw everything at it, if that makes sense. But um, I... I I'm, I'm, I'm balancing I'm slowly balancing I've just literally got myself a virtual assistant which would be mass, a massive benefit to my business so because the admin side of the business is you know as you know it's it's not it's not small um I think I just focus on the fact that I, I love what I do and I've had clients really you know get stressed out and take it out on me and I, I sit back and I just think that everyone everyone that you deal with has has very has various different, different sides to them and they might show that at any given time you can't take it personally and you have to remember that they've still put their trust in you they still it's not they don't like you it's just they're going for a stressful time so um I just I, I, I genuinely love what I do and I find it I don't really get too stressed out because I think you know it's not personal there's nothing really to get and, and I've someone said something before and it's so true there are no emergencies in real estate like there's rich literally well unless it's property management potentially but for the most part, there are no emergencies in real estate. And I think sometimes I have to remind myself of that. It's difficult, though, because I'm very switched on and very passionate about what I do. It's a fine balance, isn't it? Like I, I just wrote down uh, there's no emergencies in real estate. Um, so I think it's a powerful thing to remember because when you if you come back to where you started at, at this conversation, right, where 
you're exploring with your clients, you're getting to know them, you want them to trust you, you want to be able to trust them, you're tracing relationships rather than transactions, all of that adds up to that you care, not just about your business, but about the people that you work with. And actually, sometimes, you know, if, if I see my phone ringing, and it's my mum or my wife, in my mind, it's like, well, that's an emergency, because otherwise, they're just text. So sometimes when you see your client ring on a Sunday morning when you're out to brunch with your friends or something like that, or even if it's Saturday night and you and your boyfriend are having a drink or whatever it might be, it can feel like that because you care. Whereas people who treat people like numbers don't have that care factor. So it's never an emergency to them, even though potentially in the client's mind, it might be. And I think um, Mark and I'll unpack this a little bit more um, in our little bit at the end of the show, but um, sometimes it may not be an emergency to the agent, but it might be to the client. So it's really important to set and manage those expectations about, you know, when you'll expect to hear from me, when it's really important, you call me, what an emergency actually looks like, when I'm available, when I'm not, all that sort of thing. Um, because yeah. I think you're right. There are no real or very rarely are there real true emergencies in a state agency, but it doesn't always feel like that to the client because they definitely you know, not it's their first time doing it or they haven't done it in 10 years or whatever. And you've sell this great stuff, you or any agent, and then suddenly something goes wrong in their mind when it's probably part of the process, but it wasn't articulated well enough. So yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. Um, and then it's on both sides more than anything else. Mm. Um, one of the oh, questions sorry. I wanted to, Oh, sorry, you go. You go, you go, go ahead. Um, it's probably more important to double down on that point. So if you want, go in, otherwise I'm going to take us in a completely different direction. Um, I was going to say so, um, so something that I literally only just recently someone pointed out to me was that you can send um, automated replies on WhatsApp and they just said to me update your voicemail whenever you're out every day so I do it's the 28th of May it's 10am I'll be in appointments till one I'll give you a call straight after and the same with the WhatsApp automated messages those are really helpful because it's strange I did it for the first day someone would text me I thought oh, that's really odd they've just stopped chasing me they just stopped. they understand they get it and it must not be an emergency and exactly as you say they just they understand it's an, it's not an emergency to them but I see it as an emergency because they're my client and I care about them but yeah as if that's what I was going to say I, I still uh, well actually I haven't done it since I've been in Australia but I change my voicemail every day because I think it just it shows people that you are on it even though you might not be there in that exact moment when they need you and that gives them the comfort and the confidence to just chill out until you do get back to them right um, yeah, a, a really interesting thing and actually on, on that point about communication this was the point and i'm glad that we did talk about that because that's really useful for everybody listening right we talked before we hit record what's one bit of value that we can give that everyone can do today with no excuses well it's that you know what's that business auto replies or changing your voicemail every day yeah it takes 30 seconds once you know the buttons to push to be like do you want to record a new message yes do this yes you know it's 313 i think if you're with three mm -hmm. like i am anyway um but it makes a massive difference so one one of the reasons why we wanted to get you on the show was i think you do social media really well um in terms of the, the video content that you put out there the way you market properties again you can tell that there's a care factor there that it's your business you're the face of it but it's never really you're not that ostentatious agent that's like look at me yada 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 it's like house <laughs> and i'm going to walk you through you know my nice accent so how important is social media to your business and and is it a strategy for you or is it just what feels natural it's what feels natural and yes it's it's hugely important to my business i've received uh, well it's interesting i in my first couple of months of being solo or self-employed under keller um, I received a, a 
a direct message from a friend of a friend who I previously worked with at my old company. And this is where relationships are so important because what you do now, you never know how it's going to affect you and like there's going to be a domino effect in the future. Mm. I had a client in my previous role, but it was, an, it was a really just a, an awful story. The tenants were awful. The whole situation was a mess, but I held her hand the, way, the whole way through, which might not have been the case, you know, in another business or whatever with, with another agent because I, she, well, she wasn't on a managed service and I literally treated her like she was. Anyway, that particular client moved away. I haven't spoken to her for a long time, but her friend followed me on Instagram and referred me to a friend who instructed me to sell her home. And it's like, not that it's about the fee, because it's really, it, it, you know, there's way much more than the fee. But for, for me, it was a big deal. It was £15,000 fee off the back of doing something, you know, 12, 18 months ago, doing the right thing back then. Mm. And, and you never realised who's going to know who. Um, so yeah, so that was a direct message on Instagram off the back of someone seeing my virtual staging and said, oh, I know that you've got an empty house coming up. You know, I think Tanya would be good to speak to. And then that was exactly how it went. Um, and then I've had other clients who have followed me and, you know, they ha- I've never known them before and they've followed me and they've reached out when they had a change of tenant or they've got something for sale. It's quite common. And then what I do with the listings or so anything that goes online I, I don't have a right a, a link to the video tours that go to YouTube or Vimeo. They go directly to my Instagram so that people can open the page and they can they can basically have a little scroll and basically have a little nose about who I am. And they also, they get that picture of me and they kind of feel that they've already met me. And I get that a lot. When I go on the viewings, people say to me, oh, I already feel like, feel like I've already met you. Um, and your videos are so, someone said to me on the phone, they said, you've got such a nice comforting way about you. Like I feel really comfortable watching you. Um, so I really look forward to meeting you. And that was really nice because, you know, it's, it's daunting turning up to viewings because you think that they're just going to show you around, tell you to offer there, and then you're going to miss out when mm. that's not what it is at all. Well, that's not how I do things. So, yeah, it's, it's hugely important for my business and I do it very naturally. I, tell, I don't do – worst thing I think you can do when you have social media as an estate agent is new instructions, sold, let, literally just having everything, like a portfolio of what you do, you can do that in a shop window. You can do that on right movies. You need to tell stories and you need to make it personal so that people see, like, you know, they, they see, oh, the house has gone under offer. Oh, it's going to a family. Oh, the baby's due in August. Oh, that's why they want to move quickly. And, and there's an understanding that there's more to it than, than the transaction. And it's about, about that person and about their move in life. Do you, do you get permission from your clients to sort of tell that? I know you probably wouldn't give any personal details away, but if it is somebody who's moving quickly because there's a baby due in August or something like that, is that something you talk to your clients about or do you just pick and choose the right level of detail to give? Yeah, I pick and choose the right level of detail and I don't, I don't give, I don't ever talk about names. Um, if I do, if I, if I've got a review from someone, I might use their first or last name, depending on what they're happy with for me to use and I'll have a conversation with them. But I don't, I don't give that much detail. I keep it very brief. And then like, I had a review from someone who was moving from New York. And then when, so because they left me a review based on their move uh, from moving overseas, when I posted the, I can post the review. And then when I follow up with the property, I can kind of say, you know, the family have had, you know, as you say, the family moving overseas because when they move in, you know, their neighbours will they'll, they'll tell everyone they've moved from overseas. But it's, it's not overly personal. It's very just a little bit of a snippet about the story, about yeah. the obstacles overcome or you know how how it worked out or how they found me or that sort of thing great i love i love the little idea of just telling the stories because actually it goes right back to 
those relationships right at the start and that actually it's about people not about transactions and and, and all of that and just to stay on on marketing for you you've got a bit of a new question um so we'll, we'll see how this goes um we want to sort of get get a little bit creative and talk about marketing marketing strategy and try and focus on if money was no object in your business how would you market it is there anything that you're doing now that you would supercharge or would you do stuff completely different if you had a you know an unlimited amount of money to market um your business I, I I would definitely focus on social media. I wouldn't I wouldn't even worry. I'd have I'd maybe get an office and have an, uh, an office like you know my own office somewhere. But I wouldn't even focus on having a high street office. I just think that that that's just done and dusted. And do you know what? It's really interesting. The co- community hate having multiple estate agents on their high streets and villages because they just take up space mm. from other businesses and small businesses that could be in the area. We have it all the time in Blackheath. All they talk about is oh look another estate. Oh, look, another bakery, whatever it might be. They don't want to see the same sort of businesses. But anyway, that's that. Um, I would I would maximise social media. I'd put a lot more effort and a lot more money into advertising and put out the stories and the videos a bit more because I, I don't really have too much understanding of ads and that sort of thing. So Because I don't really do a lot. I have like a system that puts out everything in it from an AI perspective out into the world, but I don't understand that side of it. So if I could pay and put more money into that, that would be what I would do. So double down on the organic social media that we've got by putting budget behind that on a monthly yeah. basis. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Because I think even when people aren't looking, they 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 are looking because they they might not go to the, the portals, they might not go and walk outside in the stage agent's window, whatever. They if they see something that's right for them pop up, and they've been thinking about moving but they haven't been actively looking, they're passive buyers, then. But yeah, why not have it pop up and, and and like, wow, that's interesting. We need to go and look at that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. That would be what I would do. I'll, I'll second that as well, because so my, my wife and I are actually looking for a house at the moment. And we'd sort of settled on what we thought was a, a nice area. And now we're going to look at a house tomorrow that is literally the complete other side of town because it's quite a unique house. And I think you're right. Um, I, I really like that. Even when people aren't looking, they're looking. You know, I think... Mm. We say in home search, every house is on the market. It's just the ones that are most active that have signs out the front. But actually, it's the same sort of thing. Everybody would move house for the right home at the right price. And most people would consider selling house if it was the right buyer at the right price. You know, maybe add yeah. in at the right time as well. Um, and I think uh, that that's a really um, poignant point. And again, an actionable point for everybody listening uh, to end on is that you do social media, not for the likes, but for that silent audience, for the people that are watching and waiting for the people that then meet you and say, Tanya, I feel like I know you already. It's great. You are the audio and the visual matches in real life, like it does on the internet, which is really important, I think. And that shines through in in this conversation, in your social media and in your reviews as well. So from Mark and I, um, and from everybody who's listening, I know it's your sort of first time doing this. And you said before we hit record that uh, you're a bit nervous, but I've really enjoyed this conversation. There's been a load of, of takeaways that everybody can actually go and do something with today. Hint, hint for everybody listening. So thank you so much for your time. You're most welcome. Thank you. I must thank you once again to Tanya Baker from Keller Williams for joining us. Um, Sam, loads loads of key takeaways. We started by saying, let's add one thing. I've got a couple that I'm going to take away. And that's one of the reasons I love doing these podcasts because I can take these and implement them in, into my business. But I think the whole conversation just started around chasing relationships 
don't know what's wrong with me this morning, chasing relationships rather than transactions and money. Pursue that bigger picture. And then that all rolled around into one thing that I think, you know, a lot of agents could really do well to remember. It's not about sales. Actually, it's about being an advisor. Being that hundred percent. Maybe maybe you just got a dry mouth and nervous because you've got that guy coming in the office to sign a paper this morning, <laughs> um, and he's like, "I'm going to be there at nine o'clock, and it's now eight fifty nine a.m." So, um, you, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, I thought, um, and, and um, Tanya talked about this when she said the social media stuff comes quite naturally to her, and I think you could hear in the way that she was, mm. you know, answering questions and running through a process. She said she was nervous. She didn't sound nervous at all, you know, but she also sounded humble considered like she understood the service that she wanted to deliver as well and i think that that all adds up to being quite work world class the, the the response of don't actually go in to pitch and that she doesn't like the language of pitch go in there and ask lots of questions and advise like explore the situation with your clients i love that language i think that that's hugely powerful if you sit down with everybody else i'm not here to pitch you anything genuinely like tell me who you are tell me we love this house tell me where you want to go and all of those things will work out if I can help you better than everybody else. And if I can, great. If I can't, use somebody else there. You say that to somebody, you, you're one nil up, right? Relax you, straight away as well. Yeah, they're, they're, they're disarmed. They're going to go, wow, that's unexpected. We, we talk about this in Home Search all the time. If we can surprise an agent when we're speaking to them, we win that business on that phone call. If you can surprise a vendor, or a landlord in their living room and surpass their expectations, you will win the business mm -hmm. almost every single time. You know, she, she said, like, when people say, what do you think a good agent looks like? Someone who lives locally, they care about you and your family, and they're not targeted on doing, like, 15 valuations a day or whatever it might be. I, again, I love that. I think, you know, it is all about, we, we talk about this um, every single week, right? It is all about building relationships, or as, as Tanya said, chasing relationships rather than chasing yeah. transactions. Um, and I, what I got the sense of, from there is that she's doing that pretty consistently and it's delivering, you know, some pretty rampant results over time. There was a story she told us off, camp, like, or off air, I guess, um, about how she's been working with buyers now more actively than she ever has in the past. And it's resulting in million pound plus instructions off the mm -hmm. back of helping people um, and taking them through and listening to what they want and showing them stuff. Even when they say, you know, we're not in a position to buy yet, she does it. And they go, well, actually we can buy it regardless of whether we sell a house, but we want to sell a house with you either way. So yeah, that, that to me was um, probably the, the sort of main takeaway other than that point on um, there being no real emergencies in real estate. And I think, again, we sort of talked about this with Tanya, but you've got to, if, if you have that mindset, and that thinking and you alone, it's probably not enough. No. You've got to make sure that you set it up with your clients as well. Because unfortunately, if something goes wrong in their mind or something doesn't meet their expectations in their mind and it's their life on the line being able to move forward, it does feel like an emergency. So again, like it might sound counterintuitive to talk about what could go wrong during a campaign in a listing presentation or an evaluation. But if you talk about what could go wrong and this is what we're going to do if it does, then you, you're really setting some clear expectations and you're showing people that it's a real process. It's not this like dandy bells and whistles thing that so many agents, particularly now as the market's tightening, right? No one's telling yeah. bad stories now. They're only telling good stories. No one's talking reality. They're always talking best case. 
And I think reality sells, reality wins more than best case does in this current market. Yeah, I think that there's no that there's no emergencies in real estate. It's something to talk to yourself about and to make sure that you put work into context that work should should be in. You know, there's always talk mm. of balance. You can have your own opinion on that, but there are times when we've talked about it on this show where I've got to put the phone down and concentrate on the kids. And actually for those two hours, there are going to be no emergency. There might be a bomb that goes off, but it's not something that needs, you know, to rush, you know, whatever, wherever. So I think that you've got to be careful if you are going to phrase it like that with your clients. And I think talking about some bad stories because it is more realistic is not a bad thing. And, but you've just got to be careful. What I really liked, what she talked about and you talk, you talked about it, um, you know, our good friend Stephen Brown. It was his one of his Daniel Spencer things. I think that said, "It's the mo- every home is on the market. It's just the more motivated sellers that put the board up, right?" And it's the same thing. Even when people aren't looking, they are looking, and that means that we're really privileged in this industry to be able to do social media so that people that people are interested. Because even when they aren't looking, they are. If they see their dream home mm. in price, they might move. Um, and I think if you're doing social the way that, that Tanya is with telling those stories you're going to get much more engaging engagement because it's an emotional thing your house and moving home is a very emotional thing so if you can tap into that and you can show people what they want to look at whether they want to whether they consciously know they want to look or not and that's going to stand you in really good stead in my opinion 100 percent. i think a point that we might finish on um actually two points right um that that right home right price, right time. I think that's a really powerful marketing message to put out there day in, day out. It's not just a mindset to have and to be talking one-to-one. I think that particularly as you go into the summer months, right, where everyone traditionally is talking about it slowing down, all of that. So I I was talking to a guy this morning um, and I, I explained it to him that in independent estate agencies, why it always feels slower in the summertime is because they're traditionally run by people and and they employ people who are family. So there's a lot of school holidays, a lot of kids that are going away. You, Ray, being a real prime example of this, right? Then you look at Connells. They don't have traditionally a lot of the same sort of people within there. So they do work. And actually it's where they start cleaning up. Mm. It's where they start nicking stock off, but also accelerating through to the rest of the year. So how do we plan to make sure that you've got a pipeline ahead of that so you don't have to not have a holiday because that's a horrible existence, right? But that you can make sure that you've got people locked away. And it is that conversation of, you know, do you want to sign it here? Because there's always going to be a buyer probably at the right price and the right time. And if I don't have that agreement signed, I can't talk to them about your house. Or if it's a buyer who's got a house to sell, right? Should I be talking to every single home in the market, not just the ones that we've got on the market right now for you? Because not only are you going to help them buy something, you're going to sell something for them as well. So I think it's a really important message. It is a proactive message rather than just something you say to people who you're already talking to. Um, And the last thing I wanted to highlight was actually a point you made in the intro. Um, And I think it was a really nice way to sort of um, finish the episode. You said that intro that, you know, state agency, real estate, it's moving in the right direction. Um, But the bar is still lower than it ought to be, right? Mm -hmm. And I just think everything we talk about on this show is about raising that bar and moving the industry in the right direction. And I agree with you implicitly 100%. This industry is in a better place today than it was a year ago and in a much better place now than it was 10 years ago. And that's not just through the advent of new technologies or anything like that. 
the people who are coming into this, like Tanya, like the other 140 odd people we've had on this show over the last few years, want to do things well for their clients. They're putting people, they're putting themselves in the shoes of the people they, they're talking to every single day. And that is improving for everyone. They're not treating people like numbers. And that is a really, really exciting thing for where this industry is going to be in the next 12 months and in the next five years as well. So I just thought you made a really good point and it was worth doubling down on to wrap up. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Well, on that note, you know, a massive thank you once again to Tanya for, for joining us. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to raise that bar. We're really passionate about raising it you know, as high as we, as we possibly can. So if you have enjoyed today, please reach out uh, on social media. Please share it um, on, on social and with your, your colleagues. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. I won't see you next week, but there is a uh, very special guest coming in my place. So um, Sam and our special guest next week, we'll see you then.